welcome to On the Grid. This is Michael Sharp, and I'm here uh, at my home in Binghamton, New York, with my uh, co-host, who has been gracious enough to drive here uh, from Massachusetts. It's uh, Lena Webb. Hi, Lena. Hi, Michael. I'm here in Binghamton in your house, and it's been super fun. And how are you finding Binghamton? <laughs> Don't say dank. <laughs> <laughs> this is the dankest of all upstate New York cities. Um, it's wonderful. We had a wonderful meal. We went to a particular restaurant that didn't have a wine list at all. We're not talking about a bottle list. We're talking about there was no oh, written. Oh. <laughs> there was nothing. I was like, oh, what do you have she for just... wines? And the lady was like, oh, well, we don't have a list. It's, we, you know, kind of rushing to explain that, uh, you know, are we starting? They're starting. We just open with like ways in which Binghamton is inadequate. I, I appreciate that. She just listed. It's true though. She just listed kinds of wine in the world to you, like yeah, for like Chardonnay. I'm like, oh, cool, great. Yeah, it was really awkward, but we made it through. She's the meal so was nice. wonderful. The meal was wonderful. I like my waitress a lot, but that was weird. She tried her best. She did. She she did. So what are we? Uh, what are we? Oh, we should say that um, we are talking into this beautifully robotic slash phallic uh, machine here, which is an, a proper a proper microphone. And it's called, uh, coincidentally, I think, and yet completely appropriately for a crossword podcast, it is called um, the Yeti. Yes, Y-E-T-I. And it's a beautiful thing. It looks very professional. It, 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 it out-professionals us a lot. It's very... Because we're sitting here and like, socks and no it's very like silvery and has knobs and is very clean and heavy and it looks like it should be sitting on some old-timey radio announcers so hopefully hopefully we're coming through loud and clear and sounding good and crisp and full of quality (laughs) (laughs) more quality than last time the audio should be better is what we're saying yes so what uh so what's new do we have anything we want to talk about before we get into the meat of the show? Any uh, crossword issues? I know we wanted to talk about uh, the Crick and Watson yeah. puzzle in the Times lately. The double <laughs> the double helix, which had a single helix. Uh, it's it's uh, one of those puzzles that, like, I don't know, is dumpster fire? Since that's, like, the word of 2016. Okay, can... I'm going to describe the puzzle briefly just so people remember which one right. it is. And I already forget the date, but... Um, anyway, it had a, uh, a, a roughly helical shape, a sort of a snaky shape running down the middle, circled squares circles. running down the middle, and it just said DNA, DNA, DNA over and over again from top to bottom in a you know a serpentine kind of shape from top to bottom. And then uh, there were the quote unquote discoverers names, uh, and those are what most widely known to people as Crick and Watson. Um, and then Crick and Watson were set off symmetrically by double helix. It turns out that Crick and Watson have names which are the same length as the words double and helix. They correspond and are symmetrical. So it's neat. It's tidy. Now, it's a double helix, and there's a clearly a single helix running down the middle. Right. So It failed technically, and it. I think it also failed in content because... We know that there are at least two more people involved well, in yeah, the you discovery. Read me the, you want to tell their names, right? So, I mean, the the big the big issue here is that they've left out Rosalind Franklin, who is 
historically left out of of this discovery. Um, And I was saying earlier that I'm pretty embarrassed that I didn't pick up on that right away. I was too distracted by just laughing at the fact that the revealer's double helix, the circles are a single helix, and instead of ACTG, you got DNA, DNA, DNA. Oh, it (laughs) would have worked. I think it would have worked if you could have, if it was possible to make the double helix image work that way, if you could have, which it's, I don't know if it is. Well, Uh, so Eric Agard sent me a little hat tip um, to, uh, not not hat tip. Pro tip? Pro tip. (laughs) Anyway, he sent me a link to a puzzle by Will Nettiger, um, who actually does pull off the double helix structure in his puzzle, which is called Bases Loaded. Yes, and it's uh, at uh, bewilderingly.blogspot.com. He has an independent puzzle site. It's the most recent puzzle, number 11, Bases Loaded. And uh, he, he included... Did he include Rosalind? He did. He did. And she was first on the list in the revealer. It said, structure discovered by Franklin, Crick, and Watson. Can you explain really briefly how how her discovery relates to Crick and Watson? Yeah. So she she was an an x-ray crystallographer, which is a really technically challenging um, kind of science to do. And while she wasn't herself setting out to learn about the structure of DNA, she she got a beautiful image of this. And Watson and Crick kind of saw that and it gave them ideas. And then they built all of their ideas on that picture, that picture she took. It would have been a nice feature to include her and your puzzle could have remained with its stupid single strand. <laughs> it, DNA, could have remained, DNA, DNA. it could have remained untouched. Well, check out Ned's puzzle and see what he, he does with it. So. Yes, good idea. So anyway, yeah, we've got eels coming up and uh, and, and slow gin fizzes. And slow gin fizz. And uh, lots of fun. Lots of fun. So here it comes. Ready? Here comes the fun. Here comes the fun. <laughs> Brace yourself. <laughs> Welcome to the drinks portion of On the Grid. Last time we talked about the Mai Tai, which is a crossword favorite, and this time we're going to talk about another crossword favorite, the Blank Gin Fizz. I never heard of a slow ever before doing crosswords, had you? I knew it was a fruit. I didn't know enough to know anything. All I know is it ends in O-E like oboe and aloe, and that's the end of that. So (laughs) I figured it was just some old-timey thing that people used to drink in the olden-timey times of drinking, so I never thought about it. Sure, and fizzes is an old-timey drink. You think phosphates, you think soda shops, and um, I have made a ton of fizzes, but never the crossword-friendly fizz, the slow gin fizz. So I'll tell you that um, we went shopping for slow gin, and uh, to my surprise... In Binghamton, here in, in Binghamton. In Binghamton, which is not... I, I, I can tell you now, if you want to shop for slow gin, you should probably not come to Binghamton because the the uh, selection was not great. But, and we'll talk about what we have in front of us right now, this bottle. But for me, the main feature that was surprising was it doesn't look like gin at all. It looks like... Um, Cassis. It looks more like cassis or... Okay, I don't know what that looks like. It looks like grapefruit juice. I mean, grape juice. Sorry. <laughs> it looks like grape juice. And uh, Brayden uh, uh, called it... Uh, uh, looked like Robitussin, so he would have been calling it Slobitussin, um, which and is a very good approximation of what the color is and the viscosity. It is apt. I uh, So that was surprising to me. I, I somehow thought I'd be getting a gin-looking product that maybe had an infusion right. of a certain kind of taste. I had no idea I'd be getting this opaque, dark, wine dark. Manischewitz-esque. Whatever. Oh my God. It doesn't look appealing. What's good about it? When 
When was it popular? Who drank it? Why did it come about? Who decided to put these berries with gin? Okay, I'm reading from the website kitchenthekitchen.com. Kitchen somehow does not have an E in it. Um, it's hip. It's hip. Kitchen. It's silent. <laughs> it's a silent and invisible E. <laughs> it's the new style. But it's a it's a nice little entry they have here on uh, on slow gin and uh, and they define uh, slow berries. So slows are little berries. I'm reading from the website where their website now. Slows are little berries about the size of a dime that grow wild in hedgerows all over England. One reason you might never have heard of slows is that they're not widely cultivated because they taste, and I quote, terrible. Ripe slows may be lovely to look at, but their taste is highly astringent and generally unpleasant. <laughs> and so eventually the Brits uh, decided they would infuse them with high-proof gin and a little bit of sugar, and then they had something on their hands. Which seems to be kind of how the English tackle most problems is to infuse them with high-proof gin. Didn't we also hear that it was... A warming drink? A warming drink, a, warming a winter drink. warmer, perhaps like mulled slow gin, like hot gin. <laughs> hot gin action. Hot gin berry action. What On the blog, they use this great word, right? Uh, it was summarified by the U.S. And, and then, the Americans got a hold of it and summarified it with citrus and soda water. Thus was born... The slow gin fizz but then apparently there was some kind of cocktail slump in the 60s and 70s and then somehow the nobody they fell out of favor it started being made with uh, neutral spirits flavored to mimic the taste of the original and then i don't know a dark time fell upon <laughs> well, the slow gin world i think we're still in the dark time of slow gin now it sort of reminded me of the of sherry because sherry cobblers were once like the the bee's knees the jam the best drink the most popular drink and then Sherry got ruined by the by England, um, and now we're having a sherry renaissance. So I'm thinking we should lobby pretty hard for like a slow gin renaissance. There's going to be a problem. What? It appears that I mean now I'm only going by kitchen.com, <laughs> so I'm not sure. But it appears that it's really only the Plymouth Distillery that is making uh, slow gin again the old-fashioned way with slow berries and gin. And I got to give a shout out to Plymouth because that is our house gin. Their normal gin, their their gin gin and their navy strength gin are fine gins. We run out of it pretty much more than milk in our house because it's our 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 go-to gin for our martinis. But it's hard to come by now. They don't that's it's hard to come by Plymouth. Not Plymouth gin, but Plymouth slow gin. Well, especially here in Binghamton um, because we basically ended up with Oh, sound, we, that's the we, sound of the bottle The sound of turning. the bottle turning. The, the, the bottle <laughs> says slow gin on it, but I had to put um, scare quotes around gin, like with a Sharpie, because there's nothing gin about it. So um, the, the, the producer is Colonial Club, finest quality, liqueur, <laughs> and there are no ingredients listed. It is 15% alcohol, so it's definitely, and it's a liter of this. We could only buy it in one liter amount. So we have a lot of this. Um, Is there another quality of this besides finest quality? Because that would be shocking. Well, the only information about what's in it is that it's quote unquote, colored with caramel and certified colors. <laughs> Cert, <laughs> C-E-R-T. Cert colors. Like the colors in, yeah, it's pretty obviously artificially amplified on in many directions so while plymouth comes you know is plymouth is in plymouth england um this is produced and bottled by colonial liquors company cleveland ohio nice it's close to england <laughs> it's, 
close. There are lots of hedgerows <laughs> in Cleveland. Hedge funds. Hedge funds. No, so this set us back $6.99. So just to give you a, um, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed. I really hoped to try the best and feel really good about it, but um, slow Slobitussin really does apply. I think for uh, in a later show, we'll track down some actual Plymouth slow gin so we can have the drink as it's meant to be had just a follow-up right but today we're gonna have it with the best ingredients we have in available <laughs> uh which, so it could be a nightmare uh, but we're gonna plow ahead into the slow gin fizz anyway Sweet sound. Oh my god, it's so <laughs> gross looking. It's so. It's, it's so, <laughs> You guys. It's got, it's you, got a skin. It's <laughs> got a skin. <laughs> it looks like we sacrificed a pixie. Okay. <laughs> How are you not taping this? We oh, are. We oh, are. Good. Um, awesome. <laughs> All right. Seriously, it looks the like. <laughs> the dog left the room. <laughs> So, okay. Okay, this, try this, to describe. This is a radio show, and we're not being very fair. Because what's happening right now, it, oh, man. Yes, a skin formed on top <laughs> when we added the soda. So it kind of looks like, I mean, this is like an, like, the word abattoir comes to mind. Because it's like exactly. clotted blood, and like, it, it, it does look like we boiled some meat. It looks like I, <laughs> Beowulf happened, and then the snow melted slightly. And uh, the color is unreal. The color is unlike any like sports drink or... A synthetic pink, the likes of which Gatorade would be proud of. Yes. This, yeah, this is like ring pop territory. Little girls would be afraid of this pink. I mean, this pink is a, it's a terrifying pink. Also, because of the syrupy nature of this, um, we, we got to stir it up. So we're stirring okay. it up, and we found some straws laying around. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay, you go ahead first. Wait, and why you tell me? me? Because you... okay, guys, this is my first lotion fizz. So here we go. Go. Oh, her face wasn't good. It tastes like Dr Pepper. It literally tastes exactly oh my like God, Dr that Pepper. That doesn't sound terrible. No. It, that is incredibly accurate. It's exactly like Dr. Pepper or Mr. Pibb. I wouldn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody, as much as Mr. Pibb is in a crossword, nobody drinks it. Just like Slow Gin Fizz is. Nobody drinks these. People drink Dr. Pepper. Nobody drinks Mr. Pibb. No. I actually didn't know it was a mister. I... <laughs> you think it was a senator? <laughs> senator Pitt. So we've had Dr. Pepper, though, and it tastes a lot like Dr. Pepper, right? Yeah. So my first thought was, okay, doc, that makes sense because Dr. Prep, Dr. Pepper is flavored with prune. But then we just looked it up, and it's not flavored with prune at all. Apparently that's some kind of myth or Snopes. Like, Snopes actually wrote a thing. <laughs> not only is it a myth, it's like a hundred-year-old myth. People for hundreds of years have been like, oh, yeah, plus. <laughs> hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pepper from the 17th century. 
Anyway, I thought I thought, oh, it's appropriate because a prune is a droop. What else is a droop? A slow. No. Is a droop. <laughs> is it really a droop? Yeah. It has a little. Okay, I'm gonna read you the definition of okay. droop. And I want to say, uh, I want to say outright that outright, like if I'm confessing something, <laughs> I want to say that I didn't. I only know the word slow, and I only know the word droop because of the crossword puzzle. <laughs> but that's where I, the only places I've seen them. And I remember seeing droop for the first time and thinking, this is a stupid word. I've never heard of this word. And then other people said, like when I said that about allele, uh. people were like, well, it's because you're ignorant. And I was like, well, that's that's in fact true. So droop is a real thing. I'm going to read you what a droop is so Just you, that you know. For the record, also confession time, I, I knew what a droop was. Of course you did. You're yeah. a scientist. If you don't know this already, Lena is a scientist and I am not. I had 110 average in plant biology. That's right. You can't see me, but I'm I'm clapping furiously with <laughs> no. With the look like on your face fingers, is pretty great there. <laughs> two fingers playing a violin and clapping. I'm the, I'm the Hermione Granger of droops. Okay, I'm gonna read you. And droop, by the way, I, I don't know why you should know this, uh, but it's not the kind where things sag. It's mm. D R U P E. Very important. Um, and you think actually with those, that's a pretty favorable letter combination. Uh, you might see it more often than you do. I don't see it that often. In, Bring, bring droop back. Good. Okay, so a droop is a stone fruit, a fleshy or pulpy fruit enclosing a stone or nut having a kernel as the olive, plum, and cherry. And, and that, slow. And, and slow. They forgot. They left out slow. The OED left out slow. Somebody should get on that. Well, we actually didn't even ever look up what a slow looks like at all, so... No, I'm just That's inferring okay. in my mind that yeah. they're small berries, apparently of a blood <laughs> a blood red <laughs> color. I think that was the certified colors in, in the Colonial oh. Club slow <clears throat> gin. Okay. Anyway, you'll also be amused to know, or I was, that uh, in the OED, Droop appears in the column right next to drunkenness. So it goes well with the, with the, with the whole drinking slow, slow gin fizzes. And we also learned... Although you'd have to drink like a gallon of this to get drunk. It's uh, like, I challenge you. It, I think I challenge you right now. <laughs> I think you, if you drank uh, even like half of that, you would be drunk. I would die of diabetes before I oh. got drunk. <laughs> I thought you were going to say diarrhea. So <laughs> that too. It's better. Um, no, I'm going to ice you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide this bottle of slow gin somewhere. And then that means you have to drink it all. <laughs> That's what icing means. We'll have to go into the whole definition of ice no. some other time. But oh, they know. we already decided there'd be something akin to the, the cinnamon challenge. It would be the slow gin, quote unquote gin challenge where you just have to drink a lot of it. And then you just... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I know we're getting derailed, but what is the cinnamon challenge? Are you really asking that yeah, question? Yeah, I really am. Oh my Do God, that's for another episode. <laughs> ask your, I was going to say ask your nephew or your child, but it's a common thing. Google cinnamon challenge. There okay. are videos of people taking the cinnamon challenge. I just did air quotes, which is good for radio. <laughs> like I'm just imagining people packing powdered cinnamon into their mouths. Yes, you can't. Apparently you cannot eat cinnamon. It won't, your body won't let you. And, and they and people get that face like you have, and like the and one where think, I'm looking at your spice cabinet right now, yes. and I'm like, bring it, yeah, bring it. Exactly. You think you'll be the one to be able to do it? And there, that's why there are videos. That's why it's a phenomenon. Like any amount. I don't know the exact rate, the exact ratio. Okay, of, fine. Next episode, I'm saying it. You're not taking the cinnamon. Salad. I'm gonna try to eat some cinnamon. I mean, you used to call well, it. You can <laughs> eat some cinnamon. Like I have it on toast. It's not hard. It's a matter of like how much cinnamon. I think it's like a tablespoon. It's not that much. Of straight cinnamon. Do you puke? 
You just cough it up like you ate sawdust. Like, That's because you inhaled the powder. You could do that with like, anyway, anyway. I cannot I, believe that. You, uh, you can't be this late to this. This I'm, is like someone saying. This is now, baby. This I is am, someone who doesn't understand the whole Bob Barker challenge. You know this? The, the, <laughs> no. What, what oh, are you talking about? All right. All right. Okay. We, and we didn't get to talk about how we learned the new word because it's next to drunkenness is the word drunken ship. That's beautiful. It's I mean, so much more positive than drunk. Drunkenness sounds like a problem. Drunkenship sounds like... Camaraderie. Yeah. In the, conviviality. In the spirit of drunkenship. In the spirit of drunkenship. Friendship. Hail, fellow, well met. Is that a phrase? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I really appreciate your drunkenship. <laughs> I'd reference Beowulf. I'm going to start talking about mead soon. But drunkenship is just nice. It is. And I think we should have drunkenship cards. Like, membership cards okay. will celebrate our drunken ship okay. and so uh, we'll sail the drunken ship together it'll be it'll be what our what our um what we call this the segment the drunken the drunken ship segment I like informally that. so in the spirit of drunken ship cheers yes. cheers <laughs> oh, we're going now so <laughs> So the word, word the word uh, the word cluster that we're going to talk about this week is uh is that Ew, not, you, don't like you that? just said word cluster. Well, I wanted to say the word we're going to talk about, but then there's just a whole bunch of words around that word. Mm-hmm. So it's true. It's a grouping. You're right. And at the top of the grouping, at the head is eel. So I wanted to talk about all the words around eel because eel in itself really wouldn't be that interesting. It would be like the word area that appears a lot. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, but eel is interesting for the amount of vocabulary it's dragged into my brain words like sniggling and eel pot and elvers which i'd never yeah. heard of before i started uh solving which are our baby eels or glass eels actually i think elver was the first really eel spin-off word <laughs> Like, and it's it, like may, it may it may have been Miami instead <laughs> <laughs> of CSI E E L S right um, no I think that was one of the ones where my mom was like it's baby eel it was like my mom crankily telling me something oh. she learned in crosswords when I was like what the hell's an elver right and she's like it's baby eel just deal with it it definitely was sniggle for me because it sounds like a made up word I feel like there was something in the eighties that sounds like sniggle some concept. Snigglers, Snigglets, Snigglets. I'll have to look it up later, but I think there was something called Snigglets. Anyway, it's Susian. It's like Dr. Susan. It sounds made up. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it exists solely so you can say something silly. Mm -hmm. So we have eel and eels, and then you catch them and or put them into an eel pot. You'll see eel pot in the uh, in the puzzle sometimes. Eighteen. Eighteen instances. (laughs) I think so. Okay. Uh, Elver, elvers. Ely, Ely is an adjective that just sort of exists on, on, away from eels even. Anything slippery Yes, people. People can be Ely. People can be Ely. And then there's uh, the Japanese, there's the, the sushi, the sushification. <laughs> Dr. Sush, the sushification, come on, high five. That was good. Uh, of eel, uh, which gives us both unagi and unadon, which is a, a rice bowl with yes, eel, right? correct. Good. Correct. So... You want to give us some stats on on how common eels are and any lore, any eel info or lore you have? Well, the, the basic the basic eel, E-E-L, 748 times in New York Times puzzles. Eels, plural, 
422. So all said and done, the basics over a thousand instances of it's a lot of eels, and eels it's not that <laughs> it's not that surprising. It's no. two Look, it's vowels two are e. Like, it's two yeah. e's. Just think of how often you've seen e air e apostrophe e r or een and e the big shoe the, the shoe size. E, e, e. Yeah, that's less common because it's so, so shitty that like people don't want to go there as much. <laughs> it's like, uh, but you e, e, anything else, you just see all out of proportion. So eel at least is a real thing. So nobody's going to look at eel and be like, well, that's bad, Phil. Because eel's like a word. So uh, it's, it slips under the radar. It's, it sniggles under the radar. <laughs> Unagi, two instances, and Unadon. Two instances, and that's, I am surprised that Unadon has been in. I am at not all. surprised. That's about again the sushification of America. It's about ha- having sushi at Wegmans, which I do on a regular basis. It's about how much the language of sushi has permeated our culture. So yeah, unagi and Unadon presumably have been around a long time, but in terms of anyone's being able legitimately to expect people to know them. That's recent. That's what, since 2011 or something like that. It's, it it's just this decade. Correct. And I mean, of, of all of these, I think, oh, I didn't, I didn't check for Sniggler because we got distracted trying to find out what the origin of Sniggler, in fact, is because it's an outlier. It doesn't, you know, it's a completely different word. You should look up Snig sometime because there's so many different words. There's so many different meanings of the word Snig. It means like a baby or it means an eel. A small eel. A small eel. But then it also means stuff like what it's a, else? It's a verb, which means to drag a log or tree that you felled with a chain. And so perhaps the towing, makes slithering, the trunk. yeah, it looks like an eel. I don't know. I don't know. This is like archaic, chiefly English. So they were probably drunk on slow, <laughs> and like, oh, it's an eel. <laughs> Okay, can you? I'm gonna try to confirm this. I feel like the one of the reasons, one of the things we see with clues about eel is they're often referred to as "quote unquote" jellied delicacy. And so you were you wanted to dispute the whole notion of of delicacy. Why? Well, jellied eel sounds the least delicious. It sounds gross. It sounds disgusting. It but doesn't maybe... sound like a delicacy to whom. I think our first question and we penciled this down and this is why we're even doing this. Yeah. Last episode was delicacy question mark to whom. Well, right. A lot of things that taste shitty are delicacies, right? Like that people consider <laughs> the people are like how could you eat that? Oh, it's a delicacy. Delicacy sounds special. Sounds like the cinnamon challenge. Is a jelly deal <laughs> is a jelly deal special? Cuz delicacy does it just mean something you eat and like or does it mean something Precious. I feel like it means, to me, it means something precious. Me too. So, I have information. Do you want to know the information? Yes, please. Do you want to know? I don't know. Do you want to know? Do you want to know the information? I I don't know if I'm ready. I don't think you're (laughs) ready. I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready for this jellied (laughs) delicacy. Uh, The eel was, it's true, the eel was a cheap, new cheap, that's the first thing. That's the opposite of a delicacy, it's, IMO. Right. Well, some couldn't some delicacies be cheap? Jellicacies. <laughs> Jellicacies. Yeah. The eel was a cheap, nutritious, and readily available food source for the people of London. European eels were once so common in the Thames. By the way, I'm reading from Wikipedia. Uh, can we just give a shout out to our 
Wikipedia, our senior Wikipedia correspondent, Ben Smith, who is not here. <laughs> could not be with us today. And we're flailing about. <laughs> uh, can I read more about the Thames? They were once yeah. so common in the Thames that nets were set as far upriver as London itself, and eels became a staple for London's poor. So maybe we just don't know what delicacy means, or maybe editors don't know what delicacy means. Isn't this like the very concept of like gentrification here? So we have like... It's true. Can't the poor have nice things? Do we have to talk about... Does it have to be like caviar to be a delicacy? Oh, it's like going to dive bars and calling them real. Jellied eels are often sold with pie and mash. That's true. Is that delicate? Is that delicate? No, it's probably like hunks. Well, when I did look up pictures of jellied eel, it really was just like the whole eel tubular, not filleted, bones in, chunked up into like crude cylinders in its own aspic. In its own aspic. There's an eel and a pie house I'm looking at. It looks so cool. So, but is it true? I'm going to try to look at what the... um, clues for eels are because i don't maybe i'm just imagining that jelly delicacy came up that often oh no really it's, it's there you're right it did have to come from somewhere we didn't like fever dream this, this we is must real. have we've just had a whole segment now we've talked <laughs> we've, we've dismissed the notion of delicacy no it's there it's there it's, it's not there. here i'm looking at the entire history oh pickled delicacies listeners maybe that's you what i know search. you've seen i'll it. search delicacies so uh there were no jelly delicacies <laughs> Under, I was searching the plural. When I search the singular, jelly delicacy is in fact a common clue. And all the other kinds of delicacies, still, they still call it a delicacy. So we decided we would uh, uh, try it. Right? Yes. We would have, we'd have, we actually had a, a, a unadon earlier this evening. So how did, how did you do that? When I lived in Atlanta for a year, I did want to make unagi. Um, it was probably one of the first sushis that I'd had, probably because I was afraid of the concept of raw, and I knew that eel was cooked. So when you have unagi, it's cooked. When you eat eel, it's cooked. You don't have raw eel sushi. Um, and it is delicious. It has a barbecue sauce. It's probably one of the more like friendly sushi options. And um, Western friendly? Yeah, like, Western yeah. friendly. But we went to this like crazy outdoor market that was like huge, and we found an e- we found eel, but we did find it fresh. And in its eel form, you know, like not filleted. Um, And we brought it home. We made the barbecue sauce. That was delicious. And then we had no idea what to do with the eel. Um, That was years ago. And so I did a little more research this time. And apparently even folks who live in Japan buy the eel already filleted, already broiled, steamed, um, packaged, because it takes skill to fillet an eel. Skill that I did not have. why? It's because they're eely. They're slippery. They're eely. Yeah. You need... <laughs> they were disgusting. It was disgusting. Anyway, so we went to um, our reliable market called. It's called Reliable Market in Somerville oh, in Union Square. An adjective. It's no, actually it, the name. It's literally called the Reliable Market, um, and we found uh, prepackaged, laid, barbecued eel, and the rest is very easy. Just sushi rice, sauce with mirin, sake, soy. Yep. And. Go to town. It's a beautiful. It's really wonderful. It's a rich. I mean, well, what did you think? Did you like it? It was delicious. You ate it. I ate all of it. Yes, and my dog had a little piece too. She liked it. That's good. Uh, but it was great. It was fatty yes. in a good way. Yes, that's where you're gonna get all those omegas. Just delicacies <laughs> for days. Uh, well, it was delicious, and I really appreciate you making it. And we should add that Penelope, didn't Penelope? She brought bok choy. So oh, bok choy. Yes. That's what we were going to talk about. Yes, blank that's... choy or bok blank. 
we had the most crossword deasiest dinner. It was pretty good. Back to the delicacy yes, issue. Yes, the delicacy issue. Yes, going back into how who who is this a delicacy for? Why is it considered a delicacy? I came across the fact that Elvers, also known as glass eels, are the real delicacy. Those are sought after, fished probably to the eel population's detriment, and so the Elvers are the delicacy. Um, and I guess in Spain, there's a dish called angula. That's very expensive. I guess elvers are the caviar of the sniggling world. We should also add that knowing that the word angula exists led us to the world's greatest eel pun of all time, which is angula merc eel. Yeah. So put you, that in your you, crossword you're free puzzle. To, please, please. Have yourself a contest. Please, somebody. Anyone who can do anything oh. with angula merc eel, knock yourselves out. Anyway, that's that's where the delicacy's at. That's where you're gonna pay bucks. The babies. Yeah, the babies. Yeah, it's always eggs, row, mm-hmm. babies. And they're all in crosswords. Row. Yeah, I know. Oh, and and so yes, in my quest to understand elvers and glass eels and overfishing, underfishing, um, I came across uh, a show called Cold River Cash on Animal Planet, and kind of in the same as like Ice Road Truckers and like World's Dirtiest Jobs or whatever those shows are. Um, it's a show about snigglers in Maine catching elvers. Like, this is mind-blowing. And I, I was at work. I couldn't listen. I couldn't watch. But the first episode of Cold River Cash on Animal Planet is eel or no eel. Oh, it's a pun. Yeah. I it's, get it. And they didn't know if, like, where they were setting up shop was going to be, like, bountiful in terms of their... They're just guessing? Maybe there's going to be some eel here. Maybe there's not. I mean, there's a lot we don't know about snigglers. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit. Uh, anyway, thank you for making dinner. It was delicious. You're welcome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay, that's good for this episode of, what do we call ourselves? On the Grid? On the Grid, OTG. It was fun. We got to drink. Uh, It wasn't a good drink. No. But it was fun to make and talk about. Bad drink, good company. True. It was wonderful to be here in Binghamton. I'm glad you liked it. We're having this nice, you know, Boston to Binghamton to Boston to Binghamton and back. But next time. Next time on On the Grid. Uh, we're going to uh, tape at least part of it at the Finger Lakes Crossword Tournament in Ithaca, New York, where I'll be saying something to the crowd, and you guys will be there, and we'll interview people, and uh, our drink segment will focus on wine because it's a really uh, it's a really <laughs> cool wine region. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because I'm such a jerk that I you dissed the I notion. Dissed. I, I dissed the notion of Finger Lakes wines. And that's my bad. And I hope that I hope I'm I hope to you're gonna be get proven. You're gonna be proven wrong by the terroir, the terroir yes. of the Finger Lakes, the terroir, the Cayuga Lake, and the Cayuga, Seneca, Seneca, and I already like and many more. Yes, um, but I will be at that tournament, which is uh, oh, the eighteenth of March. Thank you for remembering. It's the eighteenth of March, Saturday. And uh, so we'll be taping some of it from there and drinking wine and talking about wine. And uh, oh, one last thing we wanted to let you know, in case you didn't uh, see me tweet about it or hear me talk about it elsewhere, 
Um, Eric Agard, who you may remember from the last podcast, uh, is a friend of ours and a really excellent constructor. He has a new book of puzzles out uh, called Food for Thought Crosswords, um, radically different from his uh, avant-garde crosswords that we were touting last time, except insofar as how good they are. Radically different in kind, but equally good in quality. You're going to want to get this book because the puzzles are uniformly excellent um, but they're unusual for him because they're easy yes and it really shows that that eric can do it all yeah and uh i was really impressed it's often a hard thing to do an easy puzzle well um and eric does i don't know how many are in that book but you know 50 something like that and i've been doing them if you're you can solve them pretty quickly if you're a, if you're a really expert solver. They're pretty easy. But I've been doing them downs only, which I'll do with easy puzzles just to get more um, of a challenge. And I've been really impressed with these puzzles in ways that I'll I'll, I'll talk more about um, uh, uh, Any la- later. Any chance you get? Yeah. No, <laughs> well, well, it's nice because it's divided into three segments. You have appetizers, main courses, and a par- uh, digestives. I think I can't remember desserts. You wanted to, you wanted to say aperitifs. I know, but that's like before. Anyway, um, so we, yeah, they, they've, there's metas and easy. So it's not they're all easy. It's that it goes, it's a nice ramping up to more difficult puzzles. And he manages to be really current and work a lot of new fill in without making the puzzles difficult or impossible to do. It's a really impressive feat to keep things current and to introduce new words without tripping you up. I've been really impressed with how careful he has been and how much thought he gave to the doability of the puzzles while still maintaining uh, a, a standard that, that requires that they be current. So again, uh, yep. it may seem like we're just riding the Eric Agard train to, <laughs> to Agardville. But that's that's just because what's that's what's going on. It I is mean, Eric's on. out there right now. We should add that if you if you know of puzzles, make puzzles, um, have puzzles published or have your own site or uh, anything you want us to check out, we would be more than happy to look at uh, anything you know of that you think we're missing out on. Um, And if we really like it, we'll certainly talk about it. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Then um, we'll see you again uh, in the Finger Lakes, if not sooner. And um, thank you so much for coming out, Lena. Yes, thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you.